This is Tamarindo Podcast. I'm Brenda Gonzalez. And I'm Ana Sheila Victorino. This is the Latinx Podcast where we discuss politics, pop culture, and how to balance it all con calma. Welcome to the show. Tamarindo family, we want to recognize that we are living through a challenging moment. We recorded this episode before cities around the country led largely peaceful protests demanding police accountability. We want you to know that we stand in solidarity with Black Lives Matter and for the call for justice. On this episode, we have a thoughtful conversation on the ways bias limits opportunities for people of color. We want to thank Dr. Lynette Meta, co-founder and executive director of the Unconscious Bias Project, or UBP, and Selena Martinez, also from UBP, for the data reference on this episode. We hope this episode reaches your ears while you are safe, healthy, and well. All right, everybody, you have no idea how much work it takes to put on this podcast. This is a attempt to record number 652. How's it going, Anna Shayla? You know, <laughs> on that note, yeah, I feel I feel both like uh, frustrated, but also energized. So it's it's kind of that like light and darkness that I'm just feeling very strongly. Like I feel very vibrant and excited about things happening, but there's a lot of frustration at the same time. You know? Yep. So if you all don't know what we're talking about, <laughs> Anna Shayla and I are using every internet platform possible, microphones, external mics, headphones, et cetera, et cetera, to, get, to bring you this podcast. And we've had a lot of technical issues, but you know what? Aquí estamos. <laughs> yeah. So we're surviving. Yeah, for some reason, we're, we're, yeah, I don't know. I don't know technology, how it feels about us. Clearly. <laughs> we're getting better at it. We're getting better at it every day, I think. Yeah, clearly it's telling us we don't like you, girl. <laughs> clearly it's like, yeah, we want you to get back into the studio too. <laughs> yes. Hello. Can you please get this vaccine for La Rona, por favor? We <laughs> por favor, por favorcito. Yes, nuestro público lo pide, please. Palomita buena onda, <laughs> uh, well, okay. So, Anna Shayla, we uh, wanted to talk about this for a while, um, but you all know that we had a, a, a favorite presidential candidate who was a woman, and we were energized and excited at the beginning of the primary season, as well as probably all of you were, in seeing so much diversity, seeing more than one. There were several women candidates, but yet at the end of the day, what did we end up with? Another white man as the Democratic nominee. So this has us thinking of some of the conversations that we've had in the past with friends. I'll tell you specifically, Ana Sheila, for me, I was definitely disheartened to hear some of my Latina friends early, early on say that they were excited for Biden because who the heck's excited for Biden? But they were excited for Biden because they really felt that he would be the only one that could be Trump. Like America is not ready for a woman. All the shit, all these like micro aggressions that that it's really I describe as internalized misogyny that push people to to just kind of not take a chance on an amazing candidate like Warren or some of the other female candidates. So we decided to speak to some experts to find out, you know, what are the underlying biases that are at play that might be limiting opportunities for women. And of course, as Latinas, you know, kind of thinking about what does this mean for Latinas specifically? So we spoke to the Unconscious Bias Project, a nonprofit that brings creative, accessible, evidence-based solutions for unintentional bias to academic, technological, and governmental 
organizations and beyond. Unconscious Bias Project, UBP, sustains a welcoming home for inquisitive and creative minds and encourages a growth mindset. We like that, right, Anna Shayla? We're all about growth mindset. Mm-hmm. Growth. We're all about that. <laughs> and I think, that I like this little tagline, 0% guilt, 100% empowerment. Because I think for them, they know, I mean, the, this is the other thing that you and I like to criticize often is the call-out culture. So I love how they say it's not about, you know, 0% guilt, 100% empowerment. Like we want to give you all the tools and resources to fight unconscious bias. So I like that. I yeah. think that speaks to yeah. to who we are. <laughs> yeah. And, and I love that we're talking about that today. And, and I mean, well, well, the way that we want to start talking about this is, is the first thing we want to call out and that, you know, UBP mentioned is that women of color often suffer a double penalty, right? Because they're at the intersection of gender bias and racial bias. So that means that how people are perceiving you is affected not by just one identity, but multiple identities, right? And then forget about being a mom. We actually, on a previous episode on parenting, we cited that actually choosing to be a mom and the discrimination around that plays a big role in the pay gap that we see between men and women. And as you can expect, the difference is even starker when we're talking about Latina women. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the American Association for University Women prepared a report exploring that pay gap and actually found that Latinas earn just 54 cents for every dollar compared to 80 cents on the dollar for all women. And, you know, this can't just be explained by job or or lower education. It's due to intentional and, and unintentional or unconscious bias plays a big factor. And I'm really excited that we're talking about this because it's something that I think about and, and care about a lot. So how, how do you how do you feel when you when you hear some of those things, Brenda? Well, I, you know, I am upset, obviously. But, you know, what's really interesting is that my assumption was that Latinas are overrepresented in these low wage jobs and that that was a big contributing factor to that gap. But as Unconscious Bias Project signals out, that's not the complete story, right? There's more things at play. And that's just so infuriating because you think about the notions or what people's perception of a Latina is like, you know, very, maybe she's passionate, maybe she's spicy as once our governor Arnold Schwarzenegger once described the Latina as spicy. So you, you do realize that there are, or you start to be aware that God, there, there could, there could be these factors, these other things that are hard to name that, that are, limiting opportunities for Latinas. And it's just infuriating. And I hope there's things that we could do about it. <laughs> it's really, uh, it's, it's really uh, disheartening, but I'm hopeful. I'm still hopeful. <laughs> Another place that this shows up is in discrimination in the workplace. So a, t- a 2017 Harvard report finds that one third of Latinx have experienced discrimination, especially when it comes to applying for jobs and asking for a raise. So again, I guess that kind of colors back that or, or highlights this notion of the, the pay gap being uh, attributed to more than just people's choice for careers or, or needing to take a step back because they're becoming, they're choosing to become a mom, et cetera. It looks like even when folks want to ask for a raise, they're experiencing discrimination. So that's a bummer, right? These are the, these are one of those factors that are pushing us back. So there's some stereotypes about behavior and intelligence performances. So Latinas are often stereotyped as docile and working in low education jobs. Stereotypes affect callback rates, especially for highly educated and skilled Latinas. Wow, that sucks. (laughs) A study examines callbacks for technical and male-dominated jobs like IT found that resumes from Latina-sounding names were less likely to get callbacks even if they were packed with skills and expertise. 
Ooh-wee. By the way, we're going to cite all the sources that have to do with these facts and in the show notes in case you all want to research for yourself. So, Ana Sheila, do you think that there are ways that Latinas are internalizing this bias? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, I can speak personally and, I, and I'm sure you have. You can also speak personally on how it's affected you. But I think a lot of times we don't even realize that we're doing this, but we we are internalize, internalizing it both consciously and and subconsciously going on beyond just um, Latinos. Like I actually took a class on in business school around this topic and, and these themes. They did a test where they had people note their race and gender you know, before the test and then they had the same and then they had them not note and, and they saw a, an actual difference in people noticing their race and, you know, particularly um, marginalized groups performing worse when they actually had to mention their their race and gender before they took the exam versus after. So that's an example of that kind of unconscious uh, internalization of, of this <gasps> bias and discrimination that we do to ourselves. Okay. How, how wild is yeah, that? Yeah. So let me understand this. So like, uh, let's say I had to do this test and in, in somewhere I had to fill out, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm a Latina, da, 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 that just, just yeah, at the beginning. Wow. Mm-hmm. So just thinking about Before that. you took the exam. Wow. That's fascinating. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. And, uh, yeah. And I know that for myself, I think that thinking about being aware of the stereotypes around me as a, as a woman, as a Latina, all these things, like I've definitely have put more pressure on myself to try to both break them and not fit into them. And that's affected how I've performed. Yeah. I don't know if you've, if you've, how you've experienced, how have you experienced? Well, I mean, I do often wonder like when I, I feel like extra enraged, you know, <laughs> I am like, yeah. I, I always wonder, am I going to fulfill that expectation? that as a Latina, I'm going to get fiery, you know? And so sometimes like I have to, I do have that internal conversation. Like, am I getting upset because this is uh, something I should be upset about? Or am I getting upset because I'm predisposed culturally to be enraged, you know? (laughs) So there are times where I second guess myself. And, you know, another place where this comes through, I mean, I don't know if this is exactly an, an example of internalized bias, but I know that, I do wonder whenever I've had Latina colleagues and specifically Latinas that I manage, I often wonder if I am holding them to a higher standard than I should. That's something that, that right. I think about too as a, as a manager. And in fact, you know, talking to my girlfriends who are also managers and, and that supervise other Latinas, we always, we, we, we have conversations about, I don't know if I like working for a Latina and, yeah. and we don't know, like, how much is that us internalizing this, this bias that we're, we have high standards or that we're fiery or that we're going to get upset or that you're, we're going to be petty. All the things that, that um, have informed this perception of us. And, and we, and it comes into how we supervise and how we treat other Latinas in the workplace. It's fascinating. Yeah. And I did want to give a, a name to what we feel this internalization of, of this bias based on our, our stereotypes is stereotype threat. So if there are negative stereotypes around a specific group, Group members are likely to become anxious about their performance, which then can hinder your ability to actually perform to your full potential. And, you know, as I was reading about that, I was reflecting on different situations in my life and where I've actually can now pinpoint that that was at play. So that was actually really interesting to, to be reading about this and, and reflecting on how that's actually affected me. Dang. <laughs> yeah. So mm-hmm. these are all these things that are, un- that are not tangible, but that are still limiting us, right? All these thoughts and, and stereotype threat and all- bias, all these little things. All right. So we talked a little bit about, you know, the Latina to Latina or the things that we internalize as Latinas. But I also think that there's 
uh, like kind of talking about this double double challenges of being both Latina and a woman. I also feel like there's a lot of woman to woman bias, right? Like we women are also limiting opportunities for other women. You think that there would be allyship or sisterhood, but there's still a lot of bias from women against other women. In fact, it turns out that a UN report revealed that 90% of people are biased against women. 90% of people, that includes women, men and women. So that means for sure some women are against other women. So that's a that's another challenge. And I definitely saw that come into play as I had conversations about the candidates leading up to the primaries. And, it, it, you know, it's, it's probably going to emerge again, because as we know, Biden made a pledge that he was going to have a woman vice president. And I wonder, is that going to be a, 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 like this whole self-fulfilling prophecy of bias against women, how that's going to come into play with this vice president nomination, where I think it actually matters a lot because of Biden's age. I think people are really considering what, who that VP, VP nominee is going to be. And also because I think Biden's not a very strong candidate. So there's going to be extra attention to this VP uh, nominee, or I guess not nominee, but who the, pres- the vice president selects as his VP nominee, because Biden is the vice president. Anyways, <laughs> tongue tied, tongue tied there, but you know what I mean? Like, uh, are we going to be paying yes. attention a little bit more because 90% of people have biased yes. against women? Hooray. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not all do- doom and gloom, right? There's, there's things we could do. Okay. So, I mean, the first thing I, we want to talk about is, is on a personal level, like we just have to own up to our own biases and check ourselves on them. Like every single one of us has bias. Every single one of us has privilege that we own. So, and, and this is a lot, you know, we, we talk a lot about mindfulness and this is like another place where this really comes in because mindfulness is, is really thinking of just really reflecting on, on every moment, right. And being in the present. And so, so like, yeah, no te hagas la muy santita. <laughs> I love that. You know, like, no te hagas la muy santita. Like, <laughs> en serio. And, and you know what? And I, and, and I'll even own up to like, I can own up to a time where I've done this. I worked at a small startup. And in reviewing resumes, I actually realized that I did this and it was and it was a, a name, an African-American name that like the first name to me, like I had ideas of what that type of first name usually reflected. And I had like these thoughts of like, oh, that like I recognized that I had made some judgment around what kind of candidate they were going to be. Mm. Even though like most of my partners have been black, most of a lot of my good friends are black and that, that shit does not matter, you know? So I can own up and I can say like, I have, I recognize judgment that I've made. I've definitely had biases against, I'm sure against women, against a lot of, you know what I mean? Like we all do it. And, and the important thing is like owning up to your privilege, owning up to your bias and being, being mindful and be on the lookout so you can catch yourself before you, when you're doing this, so it doesn't affect what the outcome is. Right. And so, you know, there's an excellent example from, from a UVP workshop where they encourage people to do something like this, where like, for example, Brenda, you know, you might say, Hmm, she's probably not experienced enough to be on the manager job. Right. So instead of starting off with that stereotype, that's affecting like how you're thinking instead, start with Brenda's probably really experienced. I'm sure she's super smart and skilled at managing people. That's where you start. So something as simple as just reframing, like checking yourself when you're starting to make those judgments can help you fight your own biases. I love, I like that. And we that. can share it. We can share that. Resource. Yes. We're yeah. going to this, this, the notes here are going to be full of resources for all of you. So again, if you're a hiring manager or you can influence how your work hires, encourage standardized hiring practices. You can take it to the next level by using hiring rubrics for anyone in the hiring team. Just like teachers grading, you can decide 
what are the interview questions in advance and assign points that for answers to meet these certain criteria. So I like this about using a rubric because when you can have a conversation about hiring someone where it could be very easy to just talk about, I don't know that I don't, I don't feel like they fit or like you can yeah. talk about these things that are very difficult to, you know, that you can't measure them instead of like skilled things like, okay, this person knows how to use word, Excel, et cetera. You know, when it's things that are easier, like more tangible to, to measure and having a rubric as a guide, I think that's, that's a great way to avoid falling into those traps where we end up talking about, I have a gut feeling, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I think a lot about the cultural fit component because I've been, you know, I worked at a tech company where of 800 people. And I think that I was one of less than five women that were in the position that I was in, in my company that were Latina, you know? And so I always think about like when you enter those companies where you are the one of the only one or what two of, you, you know, so many, and, and you're supposed to get, how do you get hired on cultural fit when your, your culture often is so different from everybody else at the company? Yeah. Yeah. That's very difficult. And I, I think, think about and, and, and I really like this idea of like, you don't have to be a hiring manager to make, to influence. And we'll, we'll reference in our yeah. show notes, a really, really helpful guide um, that's been circulating the internet right now, which is, I think it's like 75 things that white people can do to fight discrimination. Because as you all know, right now, yet again, we've had a um, number of, uh, of death by cops of black people. And, and also we had that incident in Central Park where this woman threatened to call the cops or, or actually did call the cops, even though she was not in distress and faked distress, knowing full well that cops kill black men. So we have all these things happening. And of course, many people are enraged and shifting to action, including a lot of white people, but maybe they need guidance on like, what are some of the things they can do? So actually within that, that resource of 75 things that white people can do to fight discrimination, it actually talks about how even if you're not a hiring manager, maybe you can influence your HR department. Think about ways that that um, that maybe even your how how are you contributing to building the culture where a person of color, a person with a disability, a pregnant person maybe doesn't fit in, and you know really right. be more observant and see what what power you have to influence change. Mm-hmm. So um, a little bit more on that inclusive job descriptions. So did you know that just the word in a job description can turn away women from applying? Just one word. Wow. So there's an app for that. Of course, there's an app for everything. So there's an app called Textio, which helps you figure out your job description is biased and offers ways to improve it. So one thing, I don't know if you, have you ever noticed this, Anna Shayla, have you ever applied for a job where it's like clearly like an office job, but they'll say something like, you must be able to lift 20 pounds. I've seen this a lot in job descriptions. And to me, mm. it's like, you don't really need to lift 20 pounds to go work at a desk job. And that could be yeah. that, that bullet can actually discriminate a person from a, with a disability from applying to that job. So there's so many little yeah. things in the way we describe opportunities that might limit the, the most talented person for that job to from applying. So look at that, this resource, Textio. Another opportunity or another way to tackle the uh, wage gap is to have be open and transparent about pay. So one of the ways to counter the pay gap is to make starting salary standard and list the pay and job descriptions. Also never base salary decisions on past salary earnings. So that's great. I didn't realize that part of the reason why uh, women and Latinas specifically, why there was such a big gap is because 
you start off already not getting paid well. And so then you go off to this next opportunity and they'll ask you, what were you earning before? Well, they don't have an incentive to offer you a whole lot more if they knew you were only getting paid, you know, X dollars. So I love that in California, that is no longer the case. It's now illegal to ask you what you were earning before. But I have noticed because FYI, y'all, I'm on, I'm in the job hunt. I have noticed that the other way, you know, the way that folks get around this is they ask, what are your salary expectations? So Mm. expect more, just go Mm. ahead and ask for astronomical amount when they do that. When they ask for that, do not base it on what you've been earning. Like go ahead and ask for what your expectations are and make them high because that's, you better believe that a white man is doing that. (laughs) Right, 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 right. And they have no problem asking. They don't. (laughs) And you know, this is the other thing that I've learned is that um, I have, uh, maybe this is, I don't know, this is could be back to that, like self-fulfilling stereotype or whatever stereotype threat, you know, as a, as a humble Latina, right? I always right, feel really, right. really guilty when I'm going to make a career choice where I feel like I'm letting people down because I'm changing jobs or because I'm putting my two weeks notice. And I, my call, my friends and I talk about this and we, uh, white women and white men, they don't give a shit. They don't, they don't feel guilty. Mm-hmm, They're like, no, mm-hmm. this is a better opportunity nope. for me. Boom, boom, boom. For me, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's because we're so community. We generally are more community oriented and less individualistic. Yeah. So I think that that, that plays in and yeah. And, and also asking for money. Like that's something that I always struggle with as well. Like, oh, that's, is that too much money to ask for? It is so for this, uncomfortable you know, to provide a service. Like we often, underpay ourselves for the services that we provide yep because we just yeah so that's something too i had to be trained on how to negotiate for a salary like coming out of um business school yeah you know? did you learn it is there anything you mm-hmm. remember any nuggets that we can part that we can not knowledge bombs that we can drop on our listeners about negotiating mm-hmm. i'm trying to remember if, if i remember anything specific other than always ask for more than they <laughs> than, yeah. than what they offer you. Well, one thing I learned. And, and, and oh, it, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, and, and actually, my my boss, who 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 I really liked, actually, he told me that you know it would have said something about me had I not asked for more money. Ah, interesting. So he was like, "Of course, I expected you to ask for more." I actually would have been disappointed if you didn't. Yeah. So that was interesting. No, I think that's great. And having been on the hiring side of things, there's always you always factor in for what you're budgeting for that role negotiation like you're going to offer whatever yeah. like you're you, yeah there's going to be room for negotiation so take that take yeah. that listeners and ask for, yeah or one thing one thing or i guess one thing i'll add about that is just like definitely ask for more money than they offer you but have have the reasons why that that makes sense right so i i was going into a field that i had done some work in already and so i ex- i mentioned that you know compared to a lot of my peers i had already worked in this particular role and so that i thought that that was that merited an, an increase in my salary. Yeah, because you that can hit the yeah. that I mentioned. You can save them money because yeah. they don't have to train you yeah, exactly. for longer. They, I don't have to train me as long. Mm-hmm. Va- fabulous. And I'll give one more little nugget that I learned is that no matter what they offer you, even if it's like blowing you away, say, thank you. Uh, please let me have that in writing. Let me see your benefits and I will get back to you tomorrow. No matter what, even if you're like, oh, damn, this is amazing. No, sleep on it one day. Make them freaking, you know, shake a little bit, even though you're maybe you're going to take it no matter what. But just do that. Do that anyways. (laughs) Um, Okay, so more things that you could do. So training, if you don't already have training on how to be an inclusive hiring manager, ask for it. So, yeah, I think. I'm going to ask for the training, but also I'm going to just do a look into this upon myself right now. Of course, we all have the gift of time or many of us have the gift of a little extra time. So I'm, this is a good time for me to look at what are the resources that I can uh, reference so that I could be a better hiring manager. 
So we'll, you know, we'll, we'll reference some great resources again, like we've mentioned several times, but there's awesome resources to get started here. And again, all of the information that we referenced today, we, we compiled it with the help of unconscious bias projects. So check them out. They're also a fantastic resource and you can actually hire them to do training for your company. So great, great stuff. So, um, lots of things that we reference here. And I hope it was a little bit helpful for y'all because we did, we wanted to kind of reflect on this because it just, for me, at least personally, it's been so upsetting that we still don't have a female candidate. And I also, you know, a lot of us talk about progressive California and yes, California is very progressive and, and, and I uh, give kudos to our governor in in this crisis with COVID-19. But that being said, one thing that has bothered me is that because of COVID-19, there's so, there's a lot of cameras on leaders, right? There's a lot of cameras on Cuomo in New York. There's a lot of cameras on our uh, governor. There's a lot of cameras on our mayor here in Los Angeles. And one of the concerns that I have is that um, because it's so easy to do to stand out when you have a president that is so bad, I think that what what is factoring in here is it kind of reinforces this notion of leadership, that it can only be a white man that could be the savior or that could take care of us in a time of crisis. And I want you all to check that as well, because I, although I think it's fantastic that we have this fabulous mayor and that we have this fabulous governor in California and in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. there isn't a pipeline of female leaders following them. Like who, I mean, can you think of somebody that you would think would be the next female governor of California? I certainly can't because we're not, we're not building that pipeline. So do think critically, even within our own leaders here, our progressive leaders like Los Angeles. Only very recently did we have a single woman in the city council. So there's just so much yeah. work that needs to get done. And let me tell you some of the other things that like the ways that we can do that is just, just check that notion that we build in our head of what is leadership. And, um, there are, like I, we mentioned earlier, there are some resources, even just like if you have educators, like friends that are educators, no matter what the makeup of their classroom is, buying them books where the heroes are something different than a little white boy or a little white girl. One thing that I do is I actively avoid watching television where the protagonists are white people, not because I have anything against white people, but because I believe that. Other people can fall in love. Other people can be superheroes. Other people can be the center of a, of a story. So that's one thing that I do. And I also actively look for um, female directors, women directors. And guess what? It's a lot better. It ends up being a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> so there's just, a, you know, little things that we could do for ourselves to question um, our preconceived notions that only a white male is the model. And actually I will tell you a little bit more because it's kind of related to this. So I've been really enjoying this comedy writing class with Zara Nurbaksh. I think that's how you pronounce her name. I should probably figure out how to pronounce her name. Pronouncing people's names is also important, everybody. But I love her because she is a queer, Muslim, Irani comedian. And she's got all these identities and she talks, she really talks about how being a comic when you're not a white man is a is an act of against white supremacy that that comics that don't fit that model of a white man already have an uphill battle to just convince you that they could be funny because 
this is another place where that notion of only a white yeah. man comes into play. So I've been loving her. You all should check her out and I'll probably link some information for her in this as well because she she's literally done the research and has found out that there are a lot of barriers just like there are in every places in lots of places that keep women and women of color and diverse comics from success. So for example, if you are a, a, a woman of color how comfortable are you going out to a, a bar at five nights a, a, a week at 10 o'clock at night to do your five minute set, right? Those places are already conditioned right. to be welcoming to, yeah. to men. So there's just so much at play. So I hope that I, if you're listening to this episode, that at least you're, we're causing you pause and that you're thinking about the places where bias creeps in and thinking about the ways that you can have a bit of power to change that. Yes. And hopefully you will also see Brenda on stage soon. I don't yeah, know. Brenda? Probably on Zoom. <laughs> I would love to see you on stage. <laughs> or Oh yeah, you're right. On Zoom. <laughs> the podcast listeners did you know that we are completely independent that's right this is a labor of love we spend a lot of time because it really really matters to us to be in your ears and this is why i want to encourage you to please write a review of thumbing the podcast or tell a friend how much you love this podcast because uh we want more of you listening and we love when you write us a love note so um anna shayla what do you have for me Here's an example of an awesome review that we received from our listener, Sochil, who says, I love this podcast. Ana Sheila and Brenda are two Latinx mujeres who keep it real and keep us connected. Their synergy is undeniable. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. I love that they address current events as well as reminding listeners to stay grounded, being mindful of our overall well-being. Love this aspect of their podcast. Thank you for providing an intelligent, critical, and balanced podcast that focuses on the Latinx community. Much needed and refreshing. Mm-hmm. That review makes me feels so fuzzy inside it's why we do what we do and what inspires us to keep going we want to bring you the content that we are thinking about grappling with excited about so please rate and review tamarindo podcast on apple Podcasts today it means so much to us well hannah shayla we freaking did it we had an episode <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm doing a little dance. You can't see me. Well, or maybe, oh, you can see me. I can see you, girl, because we have uh, 300 tabs open, and one of them is yep. Google Meet. We're using all the platforms. Yes. You know what? I'm going to give a matraca to us. Yes. Cosign? Oh, I love okay. that. Thank you. Cosign. Yes, this is a matraca to us because yes. we we struggled through a lot of technical challenges, but this episode is here. So, matraca to yes, us. Yes, we are definitely, yes, and we are totally embracing. If, if there's anything we're doing, we're definitely embracing the growth mindset during this period as individuals as and, and, and as Tamarindo for sure. Yes, and another matraca because we've got a lot going on, so if you're listening to this, you could probably yes. still join us for our, we're having another podcasting workshop. It is going to be on June 6 at 10 10 a.m. Pacific time. You can go to our notes and we'll have the registration link in the notes of this episode. And you can always go to tamarindopodcast.com and you'll see we have a little tiny note. I should probably make it bigger on our website that says, you know, for events, click on this link and that will get you to our link tree with all the registration for everything we have going on. What else can I share with y'all? So do you have a basura? Yeah. Do you want me to start with basura or matraca? Well, um, what that's whatever feels good yeah, okay, to you. Start, you know what? I'll start with matraca. I'll start with the matraca because that's the first thing I had in my mind. Okay, so I want to give a matraca to companies that are, you know, as they're thinking about the future, are starting to consider uh, work from home forever 
policies, particularly like tech companies and, and those kinds of office job companies. So that's something I had been thinking about for a long time as I thought about like, what is our new normal going to look like? And one of the things that I was thinking about is how I really didn't see the need for a lot of these companies to have everyone come in every day of the week, you know, moving forward. And that I thought it would be really beneficial for our environment, for everyone, including, you know, a lot of workers that do need to go into service jobs where they do have to drive out no matter what. And so I, I like that these companies are exploring this so that, you know, it'll help our environment, it'll help our workers. And yeah, so I've been thinking a lot about that. And I was really grateful to see that a lot of these companies are considering putting out policies like that. Okay, matraka to people that are going to keep working from home. Yay. Okay, fabulous. Yes. I'm going to give a matraka to Maddie Ramirez, who has been supporting Tamarindo with our social media. She's got some great ideas. She's been helping us uh, track our growth. So big shout out to Maddie. She's been killing it. And uh, do you have a basura? Okay, yeah, I do have a basura. And I actually planned, you know, I've been trying to get my basuras, you know, like on deck so that I'm ready with a basura for every yes. Okay, <laughs> so this one hasn't been as applicable recently, but my basura is driving in LA when you let people very clearly let them go in front of you and they don't like acknowledge you or say thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so <laughs> just because I feel like one of the nicest things that you can do in LA is let someone go in front of yeah, you. Yeah, like that is, it's valuable that, way more here than anywhere else. Yep. Right. And, and yeah, it is an act, it is an act of extreme kindness. And uh, <laughs> it truly is. It really is. And, and when I see, when you see people that like don't even acknowledge, I'm like, bro, you did not do that by yourself. Like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that was not your like magic maneuvering. That was me letting you go. Yeah, dude, give me a wave, you know? <laughs> Save you some minutes. But on the other end, and here's like the little lesson here is one of the, the the ways that I tried to live, I guess, or one of the lessons I tried to apply is that you should only do things um, without expecting anything. Aww. So you should only do things if you feel comfortable not expecting anything in return. <laughs> and so because otherwise, like otherwise you're giving for expectation and to receive. And then and, and, and there's like resentment around that, you know, so you should always anything that you do for other people, anytime that you give, you should do it without expectation. So it's also like a good check on, on, on me when I'm starting to feel like, uh. okay, well, if you feel that way, then maybe you shouldn't let people cut in front of you because you're feeling some type of way when they don't say thank you. Yes. <laughs> you know? Very good. Well, I've got Anyways. my basura. <laughs> my basura, something else that happens with COVID is that um, I'm going through drive throughs more than I have ever probably in the entire year before that. And of course, my choice of drive through is In-N-Out Burger. I love In-N-Out. Fantastic place. So my basura goes to Fantastic place. when you don't get your condiments through when you go through the drive through That goes in la basura. It okay. really annoys me when you're going to have this amazing meal. You already, you already imagined it in your head. You're going to have the perfect French fry. Let me tell you my hack for the perfect French fry from in and out You get your French fries. You ask for the yellow pe peppers. You take a bite of the yellow peppers. You put the juice of the yellow peppers onto your French fries. You put three mustards. You need three mustard packets. You put that in your on your French fries. You put ketchup. You put pepper. And it tastes amazing. And when you know that the perfect French fry exists and the person at the drive-thru did not get you the peppers, the mustard, the other peppers, it is so infuriating. So my basura goes to when you don't get all your condiments at the drive-thru. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cracking up at this. I actually... 
want to just be in the car with you. I wish I could be in the car with you just to go through a drive. You should see, you. but you, you want to make sure that I get all my condiments. Cause you, 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 get all your you condiments. don't want to see what happens when I don't. I want to, <laughs> I want to see both. I think you're actually hilarious when you get pissed off. I get so, so. mad. <laughs> you're hilarious. Awesome. Well, do we got anything else for our listeners okay. today or um, are we, I know that you may have wanted a calma, but let me tell, let me know how you feel. Well, yeah, I'll do, I'll do a little calma. Okay. Let's so, so go ahead. Let's let's hear our calma. We're going to leave our listeners with this little piece of calma from Anna Sheila. Yes. So as we start to open back up, I just wanted to talk about some ways that we can really think about how we make decisions and how we go out into this world as as, as things start to open back up. And and the and the first thing is, it, and so that you can do it in the most healthy and I guess thoughtful way. And, and the first thing to remember is that you can never that there's no risk free decision. Uh, when it comes to how we're operating under COVID. So we really just want to be the best that we can given our values and, and our situation. And so, you know, one thing that we'll keep pushing is that if you do choose, choose to, to see people, um, that you as much as possible do that outside and in a socially distant way. And that, and that is a way to reduce your risk. The risk increases by a magnitude of, you know, like potentially 18 times when you're inside. And then in terms of, Another thing to just kind of reduce your stress and, and, and manage this in the best way possible is, is, is making sure that you are on the same page with your family and your loved ones on how you're going to operate as, as things move forward. Because I think that that can create a lot of stress and conflict when people are not on the same page about how they're going to operate. Because you're not just always remembering that it isn't just your own life that you're putting into risk. It is your loved one's lives. And so that that is really important that, that you're all on the same page about your, what you're doing. And then... The, the last thing is, is to, to really help with your decision making as you go through, you know, COVID, the COVID world is, is have a set of decisions that you've already agreed to with your family. So like in this situation, we're going to do this, this and this. And so that you're not, you know, encountering situations where you didn't, you didn't have a decision made and, and you potentially get paralyzed and make, and make a bad decision. So having decisions that you've made and not, you know, focusing so much on reading what's happening every single day, but, you know, having a time like, okay, this is, we understand what's going on and what the health risks are right now and what, what progress is happening. And based on that, these are the decisions that we're making and then just kind of leave it that way and then review. Maybe it's two weeks, you know, because it, it takes a while for significant real um, valid information to actually come out. So you can, you know, have a two week period where you, you have your, your set standards and then you review those. So you don't have to keep scaring yourself every single day on, on how you should operate and changing your mind every single day. So those are just a few things that I wanted to share with the listeners on um, how you can go into whatever the new normal is going to be in the, in the, in the healthiest and uh, you know, most thoughtful. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Anna Shayla. Lots, lots of folks can take your advice. And I think it's very important to just be thoughtful and think of others. Well, with that, thank you for listening to another episode of Tamarindo. It was so good to catch up with you, Anna Shayla. You too. Okay. Okay. Hasta luego. Hasta luego. Ponte un suéter. Ponte un suéter. Bye. Tamarindo Podcast is independently produced by Ana Sheila Victorino and Brenda Gonzalez. Jeff DeVoe provides original music and sound engineering, and Michelle Andrade provides editing and production support. Follow us on Instagram at Tamarindo Podcast and at Twitter at Tamarindo Cast. And if you like the show, please write us a review on Apple Podcasts or share the episode with a friend. Get in touch with us at tamarindopodcast.com.
Wait, let me get my matraca. Hold on. Where is it? I'm going to get my matraca. Give me one sec. Okay, okay. We're doing it. We're doing it. Where is it? Si se puede. Si se puede. Si se puede. <laughs> we, should, we should have like a blooper part. Dude, this one's full of it. Hi, besties, and welcome to I Am Besties. I'm Stephanie Ramirez. And I'm Vanessa Casares. We're two Latinas coming together to create a space for heart-to-heart chit-chats on everything that matters. From relationship advice to empowering women, exploring spiritual insights and healing trauma, we've got it all covered. We're your go-to besties, sharing personal stories and bringing on inspiring guests for an engaging and entertaining listening experience. I Am Besties, where you'll find laughter, love, and a supportive sisterhood. Join us and be a part of the family.